Welcome to the Merge Podcast. The Merge is the student ministry of the First Baptist Church in Barnwell, South Carolina. The mission of the Merge is to equip students to love God and His people. Here is student pastor Ryan Holtzclaw. You know, the opening scene of that video, uh, which was done by the killers, and I just want to make clear to you that that is not a Christian song, that is not a Christian band, okay? Um... But the song has a lot of truth to it. Uh, The opening scene of the video, the girl is standing on the cliff, making her way up. She grabs the cross, and she has real quick flashes. Did you see that? The real quick flashes. So she's already experienced the pain of her husband cheating on her. And then you notice that she's standing at the edge of the cliff. She uh, clenches her fist really hard. And I've watched the video about six times, trying to pick up on different things. And without a doubt, she was about to jump. And then her husband, she just falls down. Her husband comes up. And at the jump to the end of the video, when she walks into the bar, they've made up. She's coming home to him. But that's not necessarily a happy ending. You see, part of that video, it shows her in the church. It shows her holding on to the cross, and which signifies to me that she was a a holy girl. She was a believer. But unfortunately, who she was looking for as her Savior, Jesus wasn't enough. She still was unhappy. Because as the lyric goes in the chorus, he says, let me find it. I want to get it exactly right. He says, when you were young, waiting on some beautiful boy to save you from your old ways, you play forgiveness. Watch him now. Here he comes. But the problem is, he doesn't, look a, he doesn't look anything like Jesus. She's looking for her Savior in the wrong place. And a lot of you guys do that. You look for your Savior, and you look for it within places, I mean, within people or within things. And you're looking for it in the wrong place. So tonight we're going to be talking about what makes Jesus superior to other saviors. A savior is someone or something that delivers us from a terrible predicament. Uh, There's a professional wrestler on WWE Smackdown. His name is CM Punk. And he is what you call a heel. He's a bad guy. And his little thing is that he is part of the straight-edge society, and he is going around, and, you know, it's fake, but he's getting as much heat upon himself as he possibly can by claiming that if you are messed up on alcohol or drugs or just on everyday life, that he can be your savior, and that you, you have to swear your allegiance to him 
And you show that allegiance by shaving your head. So CM Punk claims to be a savior. And he rescues people from predicaments in life. In our current pop culture, the concept of a savior is very popular. It's not something that stands out there like, like some other popular things. It's not in the forefront of everything. But, but in a hidden, a hidden way, having a savior is extremely popular. It's a theme that we don't really understand until it's explained to us. But, but there was a movie once called Saved. It's a comedy. There was Sweet Savior, which is a horror film. And then there's just Savior, which is a drama. In music, you have uh, Savior. The song Savior is a title for works by Bob Dylan and Lisa Marie Pe- Presley. 30 Seconds to Mars, Bo- Billy Bob Thornton, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, Save Me is a song title used by artists such as the Dave Matthews Band, Queen, Fleetwood Mac, American Hi-Fi, Aretha Franklin, Katie Lang, and the infamous Kelly Osbourne. Whatever happened to her? Many religions also have their own concept of a savior. In Buddhism, Fat Boy Buddha tells you that you save yourself by ceasing all desires. In Confucianism, that's hard to say. You save yourself by, through education, self-reflection, self-cultivation, and living a moral life. In Hinduism, you save yourself by detaching yourself from the separated ego and making an effort to live in unity with God. In Islam, you save yourself by living a life of good deeds. If you are a Scientologist, apparently... Tom Cruise is your savior. David Miscavige, the head of the Scientology religion, he was the best man at Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes' wedding. And at that wedding, he quoted this. He said, I believe that in the future, Tom Cruise will be worshipped like Jesus because of his work to raise awareness for religion. So one day, you're going to worship old Tom Oh, the human desire, the human desire for a divine human savior is seemingly unquenchable. It is an insatiable desire that we all have to, to have a divine savior. The girls you always dream about, the guy on the white horse coming and rescuing you from the torment of not having a loved one. The girl in that Disney cartoon, whatever, where she's in the tower and the boy comes and she has to throw her hair down to him and he rescues her, right? What? Rapunzel. Is that not Disney? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. Um, Little boys, they always want to be saviors when they grow up. So they dress up like firemen and soldiers, and police officers. They dress up like Batman, and Spider-Man, and Superman, or Wolverine. With every stage in life, we, we hang on to this myth that, that this Savior is coming, and, and he or she is going to make life better when he comes. We all cling to this desire of a Savior. As a little boy, I used to... Uh, dress up like Superman. 
And I would, I had these little red underwear that I'd put on. And I'd go running around with a, these red underwear on, Superman drawers. I had the yellow band on it. And I had on my blue Superman t-shirt with my big ass on there. My little towel tucked in. And I went, hey, I'm not talking about just running around the house. I was running around outside, up and down the road, through the neighborhood. I was Superman. And as a matter of fact, one time I was almost tempted to jump off the roof just to prove that I could fly. However, my neighbor called my mama and said, your son's on top of the house with his Superman outfit on. Not sure what he's about to do. Hey, don't tempt me, because one time I watched Dukes of Hazard and went outside and jumped on the side of a moving car when I was little. I still got the scar to prove that. Anyway, tonight we're going to build a case that Jesus alone is our Savior. That's it. Jesus alone is your Savior. Nobody in this room can save you from a bad life. Nobody in this room can save you from an unhappy life. Nobody in this room can save you from bad parents. Nobody in this room can save you from drugs. They can't save you from alcohol. They can't save you from making bad decisions. I'd love to be able to help you do that. But the reality is only God can save you. Only Jesus is your savior. And so tonight we're gonna be talking about that. Our desire for a savior it is a great thing to have, but it can only be satisfied in the worship of the person known as Jesus Christ. So tonight, the first thing that I want you to see is this. God alone, God alone is our Savior. Throughout the pages of the Old Testament, we are reminded over and over that God alone is the source for all our hope and ultimate happiness. God is the only one that can save us from anything. Isaiah 43, 11 says, I, I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no Savior. Isaiah 45, 21 says, there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Isaiah 62, 11 says, behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth, Say to your daughter of Zion, behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him. God himself makes clear that there is no other Savior apart from him. There is no other Savior, anything like him. He alone is a Savior for all of humanity. Our Savior God was promised to come down and to step into human history with the gift of salvation for us all. The days of prophecy given, that was given throughout the Old Testament about a coming Savior, God's people, they began at that point waiting for the Savior. And he came in the perfect form of Jesus Christ. God alone is our Savior. Secondly, Jesus is our Savior God. The word Savior appears 24 times in the New Testament. It has eight occurrences referring to God in general and 16 referring to Jesus in particular. 
In Titus 2, verse 13, it says, Our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Also appearing frequently throughout the pages of the New Testament are words like save and salvation. These words, they refer to Jesus as well. Matthew 1, 21 says, The angel, appearing to Joseph in a dream, informs him that Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The fact that God, through the angel, commanded that the Savior's name be Jesus is within itself awesome, because that name, Jesus, it means God saves. Luke 2, 11 the angel of the Lord declared that today in the town of Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. When he saw baby Jesus, the godly old man Simeon, who had been waiting for so long for the coming of the Savior, declared in Luke 2, 28, my eyes have seen your salvation. It is through Jesus that the Old Testament prophecies about a Savior came true. The third thing that I want you to see is this. Jesus saves many people. You see, not only did Jesus come to be our Savior, but he came to, to, to save every nation, every age, every race, every culture, every tribe, and every tongue that there is. You see, the significance in this is this fact. All the other religions of the world, they are all the false religions, okay? You think about Islam, and Islam is directed toward those who are Muslim. You see, to be, to be a part of the Islamic religion, you have to convert to being a Muslim. Muhammad Ali, his name used to be Cassius Clay. He changed it when he became a Muslim, you have to change, you have to convert to their heritage, their lifestyle. But Jesus came, and he didn't come for just one particular sect of people. Yes, the Bible says that the Jews are his people, but salvation is offered to all people. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, green, red, purple, orange, if you see purple and orange people, tell me, because we can make a lot of money together, or you've been smoking weed. It's one of the two, and either we'll go to the Enquirer or to the Rehabilitation Center. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Jesus came and he, to save everybody. Christianity is exclusive when it says that there's one Savior for all people. Jesus is the Savior of the Jews. Acts 5, 30-31, Peter declares that the God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and Savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. Jesus came into human history as a Jew, was seen by many Jews as the fulfillment of the Old Testament promises about the coming Savior. That's why back in the day, the church used to be filled with Jewish people. Jesus came to save the Jews. Jesus is the Savior of the church. 
Ephesians 5.23 said, For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ, is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. You see, understand this. Paul in this verse is not referring to a church building. He's not referring to just First Baptist Church Barnwell. He's referring to Christians who are part of the universal church, this unseen spiritual church. Jesus is the head of that church, and he came to save everyone that is a part of that church. Jesus is the Savior of the world. 1 John 4, 14, it makes clear that we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Revelation 5, 9 makes this point very clear. As the multitude of angels and people gathered around the throne of Christ, they began to sing out, By your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Jesus is in fact the Savior of all races, all genders, all intellects, and all incomes. Jesus is the Savior of the lost. Luke 19, 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. You see, unfortunately, every one of us in this room are sinners. Ultimately, this means that at one point in time, we have ran away from God like a foolish child. And like that foolish child who ran away, we can't find our way home by ourselves. But because Jesus stepped into human history, he lights that pathway that points toward home. He offers a free gift of salvation. Remember last week, I told you, you can't be saved unless you realize that you're lost. And when you realize that you're lost, it's when you realize you need help getting back home. But unfortunately, that usually happens sometimes when things have already gotten really bad. Sin has overtaken your life. And unfortunately, you've made some horrible decisions. And you have found yourself completely lost. It is for that reason that Jesus came. That is to save the lost. Jesus is the Savior of sinners like us. Again, Luke 19.10 he says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. You know, at one point in time in the life of Paul, he, um, he was lost. Paul was a murderer. He killed Christians. Thought he was doing the right thing. Until one day, Jesus revealed to him that he wasn't. Paul killed people, but yet Jesus came, and he saved even Paul. Paul wrote, 
The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. One of the greatest, if not the greatest encouragement about Jesus being our Savior is that God can and will save even the most guilty of wretched sinners who turn to Jesus and give up their sinful life. One of my favorite pastors is a guy named Mark Driscoll. He's the one that this series is, the book, he wrote the book that this series is based on that we've been doing the last seven weeks. Mark is the pastor of Mars Hill Church in Seattle, and he's quoted as saying this, I have seen personally rapists and pedophiles, wife beaters and adulterers, strippers and thieves and cult leaders saved by Jesus. No one and nothing is beyond Jesus' saving hand. How many of y'all have ever heard of the band Corn? Okay. The co-founder and the leader of that band, his name's Brian, and I can't think of his last name, but his name's Brian. And about four years ago, he realized that he was addicted to methamphetamine, high doses of methamphetamine. He said that there wasn't a day that went by that he wasn't snorting cocaine and taking meth. He was on pot. He had a little girl. And one day, a friend of his invited him to church. And Brian goes to church, and I, I wish I'd have put a picture of him up there, but this dude, if you've seen the band members of Corn, you can imagine what dude looks like. I mean, my boy is scary looking, all right? If he walked through the door right now, I would be scared of him. Tattoos everywhere, long hair down to here. I mean, he's just freaky looking. Got a beard. Reminds me of James. Just kidding, man. But he got invited to church. He goes to church. And he said, you know what? I'm going to test you, God. I'm going to test you. You say that you can save anybody. I'm going to test you. He went home. He took a $100 bill. He rolled it up. He snorted. A, I don't know how much cocaine. He then took some methamphetamine. Speed. And he sat back. And in that state of mind, he said this prayer, if you are real, you will make me stop doing this. Because if you don't, my daughter's going to die. I mean, my daughter is not going to have her mother or her father because her mother had just died from drug overdose. He said, Jesus, if you're real, you'll take this away from me. That night in a hotel room, began a week-long process of Brian detoxing. He didn't go to no rehab facility. 
He did it in a hotel room. And in his testimony, which I strongly encourage you if you get time, I wanted to show it tonight, but it's like 10 minutes long, and I didn't want to edit it. But I encourage you, go to YouTube. Utilize it for something good for once. Go to YouTube, type in Brian Corn testimony. There's four videos on there. Listen to that guy's testimony. Because throughout that week, Jesus Christ changed his life. Within a week, he gave up millions and millions of dollars. He gave up that band. He just walked away. He said, I can't do this anymore. It's going to kill me. He walked away. And now he is writing some of the coolest Christian music I have ever heard. It is, it's corn style Christian music. And, and it's really cool. His lyrics are awesome. He said he's never written lyrics before. He said he never wrote one word while he was in the band of, in corn. But since he got saved, God has given him this ability, this gift of being able to write lyrics and sing. He normally didn't sing when he was with corn. Go check out his testimony. And when you're done watching it, you will see somebody that a lot of you have heard and a lot of you have looked up to, and you will see what Jesus Christ did for him when he saved him. The fact is, Jesus can save anybody. Now this dude, I'm going to tell you this real quick. This guy is so on fire for God that he's selling these Christian records, and every dime that he gets from it goes to building homes in India and starting gardens and helping needy families in that poverty nation. And he's got a school that he's built there where he's, uh, they're coming in on a daily basis, and he himself is there teaching them the Word of God. He gave it all up, and Jesus saved him. He can save anybody. Go check out that video. I really encourage you to do that. His name is Brian Welch. Brian Welch. Brian, quote, head Welch. And I don't know what the head means, unless it's that long, nappy hair. Anyway, the truth of the matter is, Jesus can and will save you from anything. Jesus saves people from many things. Jesus, first of all, saves us from sin. Matthew 1, 21 declares that Jesus will save his people from their sins. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, sin was conquered. Death was conquered. Jesus can save you from your sin. Jesus saves us from death. 2 Timothy 1.10 says, But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. you got to understand this, guys. Death is the ultimate penalty for sin. Whether you agree with that or deny that, it is the absolute truth. There is no other truth. If you die and you are not saved, you are going to hell. Point blank. I hope it scares you. Because hell is a very real place. The Bible says it's a place of unquenchable thirst, of torment. But Jesus conquered that. 
a Puritan by the name of John Owen once said that Jesus dying on the cross and resurrecting was the death of death. It was the end of death if you accept him as your Savior. There is no death when you live a life with Christ. Death is defeated. It is over. It will not be tasted by those who worship him. Jesus saves us from Satan. 2 Thessalonians 2, 6 through 10 declares, And now you know what is holding him back, talking about Satan, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. Verse 10, And in every sort of evil that deceives those who are dying, they die because they refuse to love the truth, and so be saved. Jesus can save you from Satan. Satan disguises himself in many ways, and he claims that he can be a savior. You see, there are a lot of people in this world that will say, oh, I'm so spiritual, and this is my religion. Their spiritualness and their religion will not get them into heaven. Only being saved by Christ will get you into heaven. Jesus saves us from God's wrath and hell. Romans 5, 9 says, Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Jesus? To be a Christian is to be a guilty, to be guilty, a guilty person saved from God's holy and just wrath. God's wrath is expressed in 20 various words. It appears more than 600, uh, 600 times in the Old Testament. This wrath is poured out on all of those who never repent, who never accept Jesus as their Savior. And it is poured out unrelentingly in hell. While most people struggle with how good a God, how a good God could send people to hell, I struggle with how a holy God can allow anybody into heaven because we don't deserve it. The last thing that I want you to see, Jesus is our only Savior. We live in a day and time where we're constantly told that it is weird and selfish to think that Jesus is the only way to heaven. This has been going on for a really long time. Fat Boy Buddha taught that there are 84,000 paths to enlightenment, which makes as much sense as saying there are 84,000 different roads going in 84,000 different directions, but eventually they will all lead to the same place. But this opinion is held very high in culture today. John Lennon the lead singer of the Beatles, once said, I believe that what Jesus and Mohammed and Buddha and all the rest said was right. It's just the translations have gone wrong. The infamous and great Homer Simpson once exclaimed, I'm going to die. Jesus, and, Jesus, Allah, Buddha, I love you all. 
Mahatma Gandhi once said, all paths leading to God are equally good. The great theologian, Oprah Winifrey, one of the biggest, she said, one of the biggest mistakes humans make is to believe there is only one way. Actually, there are many diverse paths leading to what you call God. Stephen Colbert is quoted as saying, and though I am a committed Christian, I believe everyone has the right to their own religion, be you Hindu, Jewish, or Muslim. I believe there are infinite paths to accepting Jesus Christ. Stephen Colbert doesn't know what he's talking about because Jesus said there is only one way to the Father, and it is through him. You see, by thinking this way, it means that we are to believe that the atheist road, and an atheist which says there is no God, or the agnostic road, which says there is no proof of God, and the Hindu road, which says there are millions of gods, all lead to the same place? Are we to believe that the road that says there is no life after death, the road that says you are reincarnated after death, and the road that says you stand before Jesus for judgment and sentencing to eternal life or hell, all lead to the same place? Are we truly to believe that the road that says we save ourselves leads to the same place as a road that says only Jesus can save us all. No. No. You are not to believe that. You're not to believe that a person can save you. You are not to believe that you can be saved on your own. You can't save yourself from unhappiness. You can't save yourself from loneliness. You can try and fill those voids, but you will do it with the wrong people. You will end up worshiping people you should not worship. Peter, filled and led by the Holy Spirit, proclaimed, there is a salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved when we speak of jesus we speak of the only one who can provide the way into heaven nothing else no one else can save you people are by nature going to hell it's going to happen but Jesus came as our Savior to save us, came to save everyone. And we are to respond to him by worshiping him and him alone. You know, in closing, marketing companies and advertising agencies, they've, they've really picked up on this deal of, of, uh, of, of Savior, okay? They've picked up on this deal of, of what hell is like, and they've picked up on this deal of what heaven is like. All right? Let me give you an example. Um, in, in a teen magazine, all right? Teen magazine. This magazine is targeted to your ladies and Tyler Tootin. When you flip through an issue of this magazine, it seems that for young women, hell is a place where your face has zits. Your closet has outdated clothes, and your life has no boyfriend. The heavenly life of a cute young guy 
who is your committed boyfriend, can only be had by worshiping these various saviors. Those saviors include shaving your legs, getting a cute haircut, maintaining that cut with the right products, using the right medications to have flawless skin, wearing the latest fashionable clothes and shoes, applying just the right amount of makeup, not too much, so that if you start sweating, it starts falling off in big clunks right in your hand. And you got to watch what you eat so that you can be skinny enough that that heavenly boy that you want to worship, that that heavenly boy that you want to step into your life and save you from the hell of not having a boyfriend, you got to be just perfect enough, according to Teen Magazine, so that he will come and find you and love you forever. For guys, there are a lot of magazines, and most of them consist of more pictures than words because we can't read. We just want to look at pictures. Any guy ever gets busted with a Playboy, says, I'm just reading the articles, is a liar. Trust me. Most of the pictures that they see in these magazines include uh, at least one woman who is nearly naked and barely old enough to vote. Chances are the girl that's hardly even old enough to vote probably can't even read the ballot. But anyway, Stuff Magazine is filled with saviors such as hot chicks, good razors, motorcycles, sneakers, alcohol, cool haircuts, a fit body, a nice truck, porn, fast cars, tobacco, fishing gear, and more hot chicks. But none of these, none of these guys have any words that say anything at all about treating a woman with respect, treating her like an angel. It has nothing, it doesn't say anything about getting a job and taking care of your family and not dependent on the government to take care of you. But it still says these things are your savior. None of these say anything at all about worshiping these things, saving you from hell. So tonight, what you need to ask yourself is this question. And be real. What you're trusting in right now to save you. Girls, whether it's uh, you were lonely and some little boy came along and now he fills that void where loneliness used to be, well, how long is he going to stay there? Guys, if you try to fill that void of loneliness and unhappiness and low self-esteem, and guys do struggle with that, you try to fill that void with things that eventually fade away, how long are they going to save you? You know, a diet can help you lose weight. A boyfriend or a girlfriend can cure you from your loneliness. But they only work best as gifts from God to be enjoyed. They are not to function 
as your saviors. I have lost 24 pounds in five weeks. Felton has, Felton has lost a lot of weight. But you know what? I could go back and I could put back on 24 pounds and be fatter than ever and um, still go to hell. I could lose down to 165 pounds, die, thinking that that was going to make me the happiest person in the world, die and still go to hell. The only thing that saves me and gives me hope and eternal life is my relationship with Jesus Christ. Can your Savior do that? Can your Savior do that? Can your Savior give you that kind of hope? Can your Savior truly save you? Because for a lot of you, the answer is no. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Merge Podcast. For more information about the Merge Student Ministry, please go to www.mergestudents.com.